Welcome to New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise Podcast, the podcast for serious hockey players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their hockey careers. And now, here is your host, New England Hockey Journal's Kirk Ludicky. Welcome to the New England Hockey Journal RinkWise Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Ludicky. We are so pleased to be able to bring you this show with in-depth discussions, analysis, and insights designed to inform and inspire our listeners. You can subscribe and download at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, or via our website to listen to every one of our New England Hockey Journal RinkWise podcasts. Our next guest is a longtime colleague and friend. He's been writing about and involved in the game of hockey for quite some time and has earned the reputation as a top professional in his decades-long work at the Providence Journal. Now, you would think in retirement you might have slowed down a little, but uh, I, you know, I've been in the rinks a lot, and as, as much as I've been in there this summer, I think he's gotten me beat. So uh, from pro to college, uh, all the way down to juniors, midget, prep hockey, and beyond, Mark Diver has all your bases covered when it comes to hockey, and we are thrilled to welcome him to the New England Hockey Journal Rinkwise podcast today. Mark, welcome. Well, thanks, Kirk. It's great, uh, great to be here. So, yeah, Mark, a little bit of a, a somber mood. Um, we recently got the news that uh, Dorchester native, former NHL player, Boston College star Jimmy Hayes passed away suddenly at the age of 31. Um, deepest condolences go out to his family and friends and, and people that knew Jimmy. Just um, as, as we begin, some, some thoughts on your recollections of, of Jimmy Hayes? Well, um, for years I've been going to, uh, to Foxborough in the summertime to watch tournaments and uh, the, the Foxborough Pro League and the, the Prep League and, and all of that. And Jimmy was a familiar face at, at Foxborough uh, all summer. He spent hours, countless hours there training at, uh, at EPS and then skating, uh, whatever time, uh, you know, whether it was night or in the, at night or in the afternoon. And, uh, I mean, as, as people have been pointing out, you know, the guy always had a smile on his face, always approachable, welcoming, just having the time of his life being a, a hockey player. Um, and you know, the, to have someone pass away unexpectedly at such a young age just it just shocks everyone uh and you know you feel awful for obviously his family and and you know his young family and all the rest and and what an extraordinary hockey family it is the Kachuks, the Fitzgeralds the Hayes all uh, all related uh and right. so so close just very a very very close family uh you just feel awful for, for what happened. Um, and I was there for the prep league and, uh, you could just feel it in the building that uh, this sadness, they had a moment of silence for Jimmy and, uh, you know, his cousin Scott Fitzgerald and Tommy Fitzgerald were there. Um, and talking to those guys that it's just, you can feel someone's pain when, uh, when they go through an experience like that. And it's, it's really raw. You can feel how, much pain they're in and you know you just uh there's no words that <laughs> there's no words to describe it it's it's just uh it's just terrible yeah well it, it certainly reminds us of you know just the importance of family and and uh loving the people that that 
that you care about and, and taking advantage of those opportunities. Absolutely. You just, you, know, you just never know. Um, well, and again, it's, it's tough to, to, to open the podcast with that, but you know, I've been covering Jimmy Hayes since he was at Nobles and uh, all the way through you know, his, uh, his national team and, and time in the USHL and, and then in, in the NHL or in college, of course, at, at BC and, and winning a national championship there. Just uh, these things don't make any sense. But, uh, Mark, it is, it is great to have you. Uh, so you, you mentioned it. How, is, how has the summer hockey looked to you this year? And there's a lot of events, and it seems like we're getting back to the rinks now after uh, you know, a summer a year ago that, that there wasn't a lot going on. What, how, how do the players look? Well, there's been a lot of raggedy hockey played this summer. Uh, and, you know, realistically, that's the case every summer. Uh, you go to some of these tournaments and some of these events and, you know, you really have to, you really have to search to find uh, a good game or players you didn't, you didn't know about that, that were good. I think a lot of kids, it feels like a lot of kids, having missed a lot of hockey over the past 12 months, tried to squeeze more in this summer than maybe they would have and right. for better or for worse you know you can see kids that are clearly tired mm. maybe should have gone to the beach you know that weekend but then there's other kids that that look uh that look good and look like they've made some progress in whatever they've been doing you know whether it's been in the gym or uh off the ice uh you know there's there's kids that look good too so i'm glad the summer's over and that soon the 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 madness, uh, so to speak, begins, and we we can start to uh, to see uh, you know a regular season in midget hockey, and and after that the college season, and so forth and so on. It's uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. I think I think you're 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 right on in terms of the, the amount of hockey that that the, the players have been playing. You see the same the same names on the same on the roster yeah. on the different rosters and the different events. But you know, from a certainly from a scouting perspective, it helps to kind of get a little bit of a baseline. I mean, we have to remember these games aren't structured; they're not designed. I mean, you're you know you're you're just going to kind of I think for me more than anything, it's been gaining an appreciation for their skills, their ability, and you're not holding too much of the details and the habits against them no question about it you know in in these uh these games and tournaments you see a kid break in on a two-on-one or a three-on-one and you know he's not passing it (laughs) right (laughs) he's gonna try and you know pick the corner and hey more power to you it's uh it's not uh it's not that kind of a uh you know wins and losses on the line why not try to look good and, and and make yourself feel good by uh by burying one yeah well yeah it's certainly true and it's also certainly true that you know we're we're we're, we're dealing with september and september means uh college hockey season's right around the corner so let's uh let's get after it i i wanted to kind of start with the broad bigger picture and we we have we're still in the midst of a covid 19 pandemic i mean as as much as we thought that this would be behind us and you know 15 days to slow the spread and all of that <laughs> and here we are 18 months later and we're still you know dealing now with this this delta variant but all of that aside just your general thoughts mark on on the landscape of college hockey as we go into this new season changes i mean we obviously have the the transfer portal things and you know scheduling and and will fans be in the buildings but what are in, to your to your view how are you approaching the way this college season is going to look this year well i think there's still a lot of uncertainty and a lot of 
trepidation over how exactly this is going to work. Are we going to see, uh, you know, programs having to take a, a week off or two weeks off because they have, uh, you know, a bunch of cases? Uh, I don't know. We, none of us know that, how that's going to work. So that's kind of a cloud hanging over the whole thing. Uh, now you've got schools like RPI not allowing people in who are faculty members, uh, students, and fans, think, yeah, any of the any of the the, the local yeah. that would want to go to or RPI fans and have grown up around the that the seems team. like a a you know a real overreaction to me. But you know what do I know about that uh, about their situation there in New York? Right. But is that going to spread to other schools? You know, I reached out to an ECAC coach when that story came out. He told me he doesn't think it's going to spread to other schools in the league. But who knows? We we really don't uh, have an idea what's going to happen, so there's that. You know, will will we, will the media be able to go in and watch the games? There there was uh, only a handful of schools last season. Boston College, Lowell uh, allowed media in. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, you know, you had to you had to stay home, and uh, that sucked. Frankly, um, is uh, you know I'm expecting to be able to go to games this winter, but. Until uh, until I actually set foot in the in the arena, who who knows? Right. Uh, it feels like you know interviews with players and coaches via Zoom is the way it's going to be, uh, mm-hmm. at least to start. Right. You know, if uh, if we can kind of get out of this a little bit as the season goes on, maybe there'll be you, you you'll be able to talk to a a player face to face or a coach face to face. But I'm not holding my my breath on that and. Uh, that takes so much away from the experience of talking to a player and trying to get to know them a little bit. You know, being on a Zoom call with you know half a dozen other members of the media—it's just not the same. Uh, right. I think we all learned that last uh, last season. It's better than nothing, but it's not great. You know, as far as teams to, uh, I think the Mi- Michigan obviously is the right. Yeah. Yeah team everyone's talking about and and why not with all their uh their arsenal of number one picks and and great players there'll be appointment viewing pretty much every every game it was similar last year too in the first half of the season i i found myself watching every single time they were on with a year under their belt some of the freshmen you know power and veneers they'll be even better you know? johnson johnson yeah. i mean there's so many uh, yeah, they're just loaded. I mean, you know, Johnny. I mean, we talked about Johnny Beecher, and we'll get yeah. to him a little later. But you know, like he's he's already kind of hinting that he might not be might not be up there on the offensive picture. But we'll, like I said, we'll talk about that. But I mean, you know, when Johnny Beecher, a first round NHL pick, is kind of an afterthought, it really says a lot about what that how that yeah, roster is shaping does. up. It does, and just because they have that arsenal, you know, I'm not going to hand them the the championship just yet because uh, there's even in their league, Minnesota should be, uh, you know, have a, a, a very good team. Right. Um, you know, there's there's going to be good teams from all over the place. It, it's just uh, it's not going to be a walkover by any means for Michigan. But they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, you mentioned Minnesota. I mean, you know, maybe we're talking North Dakota and the NCDC. You know, Minnesota Duluth is is a, has been a yep. power, a consistent yep. power under Scott Sandlin. Denver. Yeah. What are some of the other teams you like and why? Well, I like Denver. I think they're well coached. I think they, uh, I think they added some players uh, that will help them maybe get back up to. Uh, I think they were a little bit down last year. I think they'll be back uh, 
on the on ascending again. Right. North Dakota, you you gotta love them. I mm. mean, every year they lose kids. What they lose seven kids this year. Well, they lost Jasper Weatherby too. They just just and, just recently to the Sharks, right? But they just they just bring in more and you know keep on uh, keep on going. And and Duluth is is you know one of the amazing stories in college hockey of the last you know five years or so. Just the 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 consistency and the the wagon that they've built there with yeah the, some of the faces change but they replace them with uh with other great players so right and in the east hockey east i think will be a dogfight like it always is i'm expecting uh umass defending national champ umass is going to be very good again boston university should be good you look at their roster there's a lot of a lot of weapons there boston college lost an incredible amount of uh of top players but boy they'll they'll replace them with good players right. too so they'll be uh they'll be a threat i think providence don't don't count out the friars you know they'll be well coached and sure. they've got some kids who uh looking to take uh you know another step parker ford was very good at bruins camp i think he's going to be good right. brett berard looks uh has looked great the, the couple times i've seen him this summer he'll be back on the world junior team in uh the end of the year uh he he's on the upswing and i think they did pretty well in the transfer portal uh bringing in the Olszewski kid from denver who's mm-hmm. a big winger who uh plays a style that you know that nate lehman favors uh they got all their defense back so that's good uh northeastern has a lot of talent on that roster yeah they do and a goalie now uh devin levi who you know hasn't played a college game but you know, you go off what he, the way he played in the World Juniors last uh, last year for Canada. I mean, he'll he'll be a top goalie in the league, I would expect. UMass Lowell, they they took a hit in the in the transfer portal. It's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they work with that. Norm Bazin's one of the best coaches around. I think they'll be fine. Before we get and drill down too more into the in, into the hockey's, because I think we can we can peel the onion back a bit. But just what are your general thoughts on the whole? impact of the transfer portal and and in just your own view i mean the you know the world according to diver here on this well i think uh the rich get richer thanks mm. to the transfer portal if you're a good player on a lower level team the top teams are going to be coming after you and saying hey you know why don't you come play with us you got a chance to play in the tournament and uh, advance yourself that way I get why they allowed kids an extra year of eligibility after what happened with covid last year I'm not sure I understand the opening up of the transfer right. portal. Yeah, it's great for the players, you know, good for them because the coaches have the power and or have had the power to uh, cut kids, you know, pretty much ease them out of their scholarships if they, if they so choose. Uh, but I think it, it it's not going to help in, in terms of parity. You know, look at a kid like Matt Brown from Lowell, right? Uh, you know, an excellent player. Yeah. Uh, he was so good in the USHL at Des Moines before he even got to college, too. You know, Lowell is certainly a, a very competitive team in the top half of Hockey East, but he decides to leave and go to BU, and, you know, that takes away just a, a guy that Lowell needs if they're going to, you know, they're going to hold their position. You know, I think there's other examples of that, too, around college hockey. Sure. That kids see an opportunity you know this matt brown get you know playing the bean pot and you know and all of that so the, like i said the rich get richer uh, schools that can offer the bean pot schools for example that can offer that experience 
it's hard for kids to say no to to that. And when you uh, incorporate the fact that you know the Bean Pot schools they have great facilities, great schools, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why a kid would be interested in moving up to a school like that. I don't understand the reasoning of the NCAA in uh, in, in you know opening up the the transfer portal the way they did. Right. No, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a sensitive topic for you know. Obviously, I think you you touched on it. You know, certainly from the coaches' perspectives. I mean, they they go through they recruit they recruit these players, and in some cases, these players end up really taking major strides forward. And then and then to have the process change to where okay, you know, in the past you have to sit out a year if you're going to do that, and that was just too detrimental to the to the progress in, in, in development. And so that was the deterrent, right. To keep players from jumping around. But yeah, you know, it is, it's, it is, it is a fascinating development. I think this season to just see, uh, just the, how that's going to impact. We had a former Omaha Lantard. He was the USA hockey goalie of the year, but he was, he went to Bemidji state and had spent the last, you know, three years doing very well for, for Bemidji, but he's off to North Dakota and you know what? He's a heck of a goalie. And the reason he wasn't, at North Dakota before was because of his size, but he went and he proved over the last three years that, you know, he was, yeah. he's that throwback, you know, Mike Richter type of smaller smaller goalie, John Van Beesbrook, but he just tracks. And then I'm talking about Zach Driscoll, but, he, you know, North Dakota was a dream school for him. You know, he's, yeah. a, he's a kid from Apple Valley, Minnesota. So you understand it. You, know, you touched on the the ability for these players to, to, to be on a, on winning programs and to have a better chance of, of, of a, of a championship, which is, that's how they're wired. But there's also, I think that, that aspect of, of going to dream schools that maybe when the recruiting process was going on, didn't have time for them or didn't see it. But yeah. now, you know, now, now in hindsight, ah, oh, that was a good player. Maybe we should have, you know, gotten them and yeah. now they can. Yep. It, it's certainly it's certainly um, curious. So just let's circle. Let's circle back then to to hockey East. Or is there a, a dark horse? I mean, we didn't we didn't talk about UNH. We didn't talk about Maine. We didn't talk about Vermont. But is there a is there a dark horse in there somewhere that you think is really going to maybe elevate or surprise some people this year in the hockey East? I don't know. Is BU a dark? Do they ever qualify as a dark horse? <laughs> I don't probably, think. I don't think not. you can. Yeah, I don't think you can do that. <laughs> it's the Terriers. <laughs> Well, I think uh, Vermont will continue to improve. I mm-hmm. think they uh, their coaching hire. There were a lot of eyebrows raised when they mm. when they hired uh, Coach Woodcroft, right. and uh, I think based on last season, yeah, their record was bad, but and and they they cleaned out a lot of kids left that could have stayed. And Woodcroft is in the process of making it his his team at this point with recruits and so forth. I think they will continue to uh, to be on the upswing. Now, I don't expect them to be in the conversation, say, for home ice in, in hockey's playoffs, but right. they'll be better. Right. Uh, I have a perspective on Coach Woodcroft. So last year uh, when the COVID pandemic hit, one of the things that the that the NHL Coaches Association did was they partnered with the USHL, and a lot of these NHL coaches put on webinars uh, for the USHL coaches and staff and all that to, and 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 one of the most impressive of those sessions was he he did one and i think it was it was it was a pretty specific one as i recall i want to say it was like it was like the new it was like the breakout from you know from from the center ice in and that was all he talked about yeah. but it was uh, mark i'm telling you <laughs> coach woodcroft 
he took an you know it wasn't quite an hour, but it was it was a it was, it was a good solid robust session. But it was just the things he talked about and the advanced ideas and, and, and the things he was expressing. I mean, I, I came away from that going, man, that guy's, he's really impressive. And so then, a, you know, just a short time later, he was announced as the, the Vermont head coach. And I, it was an aha moment for me because I was, I understood why they would, would bring him in. I mean, he really is impressive and, and, uh, and, and his, his ideas and his vision and, and, and certainly the structure that he's going to, going to employ. He's just got to get the, he's just got to get the players that yeah, execute. And, and, and he will, cause that's a great, uh, that has been a great place to play. Um, if you take a recruit out on after a game, take them out on Church Street on a Friday night. Right. You know, it's tough to say no to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, to me. Uh, but you know, mentioning the the webinar, it's one of the great things that occurs to me over and over and over again. Is you know, you watch the game, you watch it for a long time, you think you you think you know something about it, and then you watch a something like that where a coach is going into detail on every little thing about the breakout and then you realize you know what these guys know way more than I do way more yeah (laughs) and I was you know that was my when I left the media for a while and went went on to the hockey operations I was humbling I I went in there thinking yeah I know quite a bit about this game and man I didn't know diddly yeah and uh you knew you and that's I think the key thing that's that's what's so great about this game when you interact and you have the opportunity to learn from people who do bring a wealth of experience and the breadth of knowledge with them these coaches that that bring so much to the table uh you can really if you just stop and watch and listen and observe and and ask intelligent questions and get them out i mean we we, we talk about this phenomenon with bill belichick and how yeah. he responds to certain lines of questioning and the, the reporters that can break the game of football down tend to get a little more out of coach Belichick yes. and it's the same yeah. thing with hockey guys. And, you know, so on the, on the subject of coaching, we've had some coaching turnover here, uh, you know, in the, in the conference, Ben Barr in Maine, you know, sadly, um, unfortunate circumstances. And, you know, again, condolences to, to coach uh, Red Gendron's family and, and all that for the, for his sudden passing. But now Ben Barr's there. We've got, We've got uh, Jerry Keefe at Northeastern replacing Jim Madigan. Uh, just thoughts on on the coaching changes and how those programs are gonna are going to adjust and adapt with the new uh, new coaches in place. Well, both of those schools you mentioned will be interesting to watch this season. They're they're in different places right mm-hmm. now. Maine is uh, Maine is closer to the bottom than uh, than Northeastern is, uh, and there's been a lot of uh, a lot of turnover there, but. I mean, I have the utmost respect for Ben Barr um, right. as a recruiter and a, as a as a coach and just as a person. Um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, you got to give him some time, but they're going to get it going again. I think up there, uh, he's had a lot of uh, commitments. I mean, he know, has, and they've been they're good. They're good players. Interesting that uh, you know you have to recruit differently when you're at a school like that. Uh, the Boston schools can stick a lot to their backyard and, right. and, and do well. Other, some of the other schools, a school like Providence has to, yeah, they can get some kid, New England kids, but they gotta, they got to draw kids from elsewhere too. And uh, UMass, you know, what they have, how many mass kids did they have last year? Uh, not, it was, yeah, it's a handful. You could count them on one hand, yeah. you know. So if you're in that situation, you gotta you got to get your players someplace else. But uh, Northeastern... You know, Jim Madigan's done a just a tremendous job there over 
his tenure as the coach. And now that he's the AD and Jerry uh, Jerry Keefe steps up, I you know I think they'll continue to to rise. Yeah. Uh, that continuity, you know, you're not yeah. you know it's not like Ben Barr who's coming in from the yeah. outside and has to you know put his complete stamp and all of that. I mean, Jerry Keefe has been there. He has, and he knows. Uh, you know, is there a better power play guy in the in college hockey? I, you yeah. know, I'm not sure there is. But uh, you know, it'll be it'll be a little bit different having him as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they have too much talent to not uh, to not succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, watching the Jackson Twins and uh, mm-hmm. and Gunnar Fontaine. I hope they're aligned together again because they uh, they're fun to watch. Uh, and I think as they mature and another year older, they're they're just going to get better and better. Believe me, I got close enough looks at those guys <laughs> in the USHL. And let me tell you, when they're wearing the other the other jersey, playing against your team, and they're doing what they do, man, it's uh, they are fun to watch, but uh, for different reasons, yeah. for yeah. sure. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. College Hockey's premier regular season tournament comes to Worcester, Massachusetts on October 8 and 9 as Holy Cross hosts the Icebreaker Tournament. Don't miss any of the action at the DCU Center in Worcester as Boston College, Northeastern, Quinnipiac, and Holy Cross take the ice to open the college hockey season. Tickets are on sale now and are just $30 for a day pass and $50 for all four games. To experience an amazing weekend of college hockey, head to GoHolyCross.com forward slash icebreaker to reserve your seats today. We've touched on the Hockey East. What about the ECAC? What are you, what are you seeing? What are some of the teams you're, you're, you're liking out of that conference? I'm, I'm really liking Harvard. Mm-hmm. You look at their freshman class is uh, tremendous. You know the Coronado kid from the from the Chicago mm-hmm. Steel had a huge year. Uh, Farrell, um, you know, a local kid who would have played at Harvard last year if they right. had played, but you know he goes to the USHL and just blows it up, uh, scoring wise. His fourth year. I, I mean, I, I'm not taking anything away from 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 him and great player, but I mean that fourth that fourth and it shouldn't you said yeah. it shouldn't have happened, but wow. I mean yeah that yeah. that yeah. had to happen. I mean he yep. he went out and, and, and hats off to him. He dominated that league and, and like you said blew it up. What's amazing is you know 104, 105 points and he, he was shorted about twelve games off of the yeah the regular season schedule because yep. of COVID. So he would have potentially set the, the league scoring record if he'd played the whole season. So Harvard, you know, they also have Ian Moore coming from the Chicago right. Steel, another local kid, uh, and they have strong returning players. Mm. Um, I'm curious to see how, you know, Mitchell Gibson was their goalie mm. in the previous season right. as a freshman. How's how's he look after a year off? That's that's a that's going to be something to watch, I think, this season for the goalies who didn't play. Right? Does it matter? Can you keep your game sharp and, and improve? doing the goalie school type stuff that they do or or do you need game game and practice exposure and action that'll be uh that'll be something to watch we're about to find out yeah we will we will um cornell you know lost a lot i think clarkson looks good uh, on paper i I think they're uh, casey jones is a tremendous Mm. coach um they got your guy from uh from Omaha there that should be a, an impressive freshman. They could put an all Lancers line out there yeah. with Alex Campbell, <laughs> Luke Mobley and uh Ayrton Martino. So, yeah, they they've done they've done well going out to Nebraska for their recruits. They're a team, I think, uh, you know, those teams, those North Country teams, I think are 
have acquired uh, a well-earned reputation through the years as big, mm. strong, not necessarily all that skilled, but you look at, you know, some of the kids that, that Clarkson brought in right. and, you know, they got skill. They got some skill. Yeah. yeah they do. And, and, and guys that can make, just make plays. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, oh, fascinating. Um, just to want to circle back on Harvard because what are your thoughts on the impact that the, that the season's cancellation in the Ivy League had on their recruiting, their recruiting class that was supposed to come in? Well, they lost veneers, obviously, right. uh-huh. uh, but I, you know, the lure of a co- of a Harvard education is pretty strong, right? Um, so I think they they managed to hang on to kids like Jack Barr, sure, um, and any of the any of the other kids that we talked about already, you know, could have gone someplace else and played, mm-hmm. but Harvard is Harvard. Mm. You know, Henry Thrun went out and played a little bit in the USHL, right? But uh, you know, some of those kids could have uh, made another choice. But they, most of them didn't. Beneers is the only one who, who did. And, you know, you understand what was on the line for him, you know, a, a top two uh, draft slot. Sure. So you can understand why he did what he did. But they did pretty well in uh, hanging on to the other guys. And they've added recruits, too, throughout the season. So, uh, you know, Harvard is Harvard. I think they're, they're going to be fun. Then uh, great thing about them is that they're not trapping. They're not, you know, they're playing offense. So they're fun to watch. And, and for a kid, an offensively talented kid, that game plan is attractive that you can go there and show off what you what you can do. One of the things I love about Matt Coronado is how hard he, how, how hard he works and digs in. Like, you know, he's not the most dynamic of skaters, but he's got an unbelievable shot. Like he's just got, he's got that, that what you call the natural nose for the net. But then you take it a step further, and it's just the character he has. And I'm not talking off-ice character. He's got, he's got that. But I'm talking on-ice character where he just finds an extra gear. He finds a way to get open, to separate, to get away from the defender. Uh, he shoots the puck at ton and it's not you know it's it's legitimate shots it's not just outside perimeter yeah. work and pot like he, he does that but i mean you're talking about a guy who can consistently generate scoring chances and, it, and it's it's through moving his feet it's through his just his, his motor uh, i mean you can't i don't i don't think you can can say it enough and i think calgary did did really well to get him where they did well i'm i'm interested to watch him a little more closely when he was at Salisbury, I got to be honest. You know, he was not a kid that you looked at and thought, "Well, this kid's going to tear up the USHL and he's going to be drafted." It, I didn't feel that way. Yeah. I thought he was a pretty good player, but you know, you never know. You and, weren't alone with that. He's yeah. really come on. Yeah, and another Harvard kid that uh, will be back and healthy this season is uh, Nick Abrazizi. Right. Yeah. Uh, their power play is going to be fun to watch. This is a power play that's had. Adam Fox and and Rathbone, their sure. power play has been pretty good right. over the last few yeah. years. But this year they will be again. Nice, nice. Any other impact performers in the ECAC that you're you're intrigued by? Cornell. I don't know who they have coming in, but I'm curious to see. You know, yeah. Mike Schaefer Ur- and his Ertel, staff are Ertel such. Ertel, yeah, right from the gonna, uh, yeah. from the. Uh, I remember him from uh, Saint Andrews Saint a few Andrews, years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. It looks like a perfect Cornell guy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure Cornell will be good. I'm, I'm excited to see all of those teams and see how they uh, they bounce back from uh, from the last year. How do you think things are going to play out in the Atlantic Conference? I mean, I've been impressed with uh, with Holy Cross and and what 
new head coach Bill Riga is doing and in terms of the recruits they're getting. But, you know, I mean, uh, what what schools do you think are going to be successful this year? Well, I think AIC will yeah. uh, will continue to be good. Uh, and Holy Cross, I I think they're on the rise with uh, with Bill Riga. I, I, you know, I like a lot of the recruits he's uh, – He's gathered up so far. I think that'll continue. You know, he faces a challenge at that school in that uh, that's a hard school to get into. I don't think they give the hockey program too many breaks when it comes to admissions. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it. I think Bentley, year in and year out, Bentley uh, seems to find a way. I know they lost a good player to Northeastern because of the transfer portal. Sure. But, uh, you know, I think that's a, a, a program with a nice new rink. You know, inside of uh, Route 128, I think uh, I think their future is bright. What do you think has been the secret to the AIC's success? I mean, they just really, you know, they they, they just really emerged a couple of years ago. They had that run in the in the tournament and really kind of became Cinderellas. But what 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 do you attest that to? Well, I think Eric Lang, the formula, mm-hmm. older kids, right, older kids, 21 year old freshmen from all over the world. Right, kids who maybe have been overlooked by other colleges, maybe kids who didn't, couldn't get into some of the other colleges because they have international transcripts. Yeah. So, or guys like Austin Long, who was you know who was our guy out of Omaha. And, you know, fascinating story. I mean, he was supposed to go to Colorado College, didn't yeah. work out academics. He gets in there, and you said it. I mean, as an older player who had been. Yeah, he was he wasn't junior age eligible, but he was practicing with the Omaha Lancers all yeah. fall. So he was skating and he was working out, and so he comes in at, at you know after after the holidays and and when was able to slot right into that lineup. Yeah, it's a great story. He's a great story. I mean, he's a great kid. He's he's someone that has beaten the odds, and so I'm personally a fan of that program because they gave a kid like Austin Long, who if he wasn't playing hockey. I don't know what I don't. I, yeah. I, I, I it worries me to think, you know. But right, but right. what an awesome like the, like the kid has a heart of a lion, and he's he's found a home there, and he's he's been able to be a part of that that formula. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, it's been great to see them uh, hockey wise. That school was on the bottom for yeah. for decades. Let's face it, and to see them rise up the way they have is uh, it's a great story. I hope they can continue it. Last, uh, you know, kind of question about the college, um, and then we're gonna we're gonna segue in. We're gonna talk a little bit about Bruins. So it's all gonna be kind of related to the college because I'm gonna keep it, you know, kind of on the oh. on the on the collegians for the most part. But uh, are there any programs out there you look at and you think might sneak up on people this year? Might might really surprise them based on you know maybe they're just being overlooked or maybe some of those players that have that were starting to take steps are really gonna take leaps forward this year. That's a tough one. One program that I think has been good, but maybe this year they can take the next step is, mm-hmm. is Northeastern. Right. You know, they've had success in the bean pot, no question about it. They've made it to the Hockey East uh, semifinals and finals a couple times. They've, they've won. But uh, in terms of the NCAA tournament, they have not had success. Right. And I think that that's a, that's a challenge for them and, and the, for Jerry, uh, you know, for Jerry Keefe and his staff. It's great to win the bean pot, no question about it. But it's even greater if you can do some damage in the national tournament. Uh, as schools in hockey's like Providence and, and UMass, U, UMass Lowell, a, a few years back, uh, right. have done that. Does Northeastern have the guys to do that this year? Well, I think they're closer to that maybe than they have been. So mm-hmm. that's uh, 
you know, I don't know if they qualify as a dark horse because they've been pretty good the last few years. But uh, I think they absolutely do. Like off the top, of my, that's where I was going yeah. actually in my in my mind, and and that was in in that's exactly what what Coach Keith said right off the top when he was introduced in his in his uh, introductory presser was, hey, we've got to take that next step 100%. We've done the, you know, we've had the success locally with the bean pots and the, and the hockey East, but now it's time to take yeah. this group. And he's really happy with the group. I mean, they're an older group, and he's happy. They've got some, I mean, look at the guys they have coming in. They've yeah. got some really good impact yep. freshmen. So I, I, you know, I think this, it's lining up. The question is, you know, will the, will, you know, will the goal, we talked, we talked a little about the goaltending earlier, you know, will it be able to do what it needs to do? That's always the, the ultimate X factor in hockey, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the, uh, Jordan Harris, you know, we've talked, right. you and I have talked about him a little bit uh, over these last few weeks. Uh, he's my early pick to be hockey's player of the year. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, he's just a tremendous player and for him to come back and, uh, captain the team this year that's a that's a huge leg up for them uh i think he's going to be have a huge year yeah no i I couldn't agree more and he's again he's a rarity he's just so mature and centered yep he works hard um the thing that i the when i talk about and and i don't want to say too much about jordan harris because we have plans for him on the podcast certainly (laughs) but i mean the, the thing with jordan harris is he just gets it yeah, uh, he he understands the important critical aspects of being a defenseman, uh, the little things, and he can articulate them. And he understands what a player of his size and stature has to do to be able to not only excel at this level but but succeed at the next. And and that maturity, it's it's uncommon, it's rare. Um, yeah, usually sure when is. you're yeah, yeah you know when you're talking to guys. It's superficial, and you get it. They're they're young. They're they they haven't had these life experiences. But I feel like sometimes when I'm talking to Jordan Harris, you're talking to a 20 year you know pro, just in terms of the way he sees it and thinks it and understands the the little things that all add up to make a, a top level pro and a player. He he knows, and so I'm yeah. excited about him. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise Podcast will return after this message. If you love college hockey and want an inside look at the game, get a copy of the book, Great Game, D1 College Hockey, People, Places, Perspectives. From the emotions of Frozen Fours to the atmosphere and classic venues, Bruce Haas has captured the passion that people have for the college game through interviews with players, coaches, officials, and fans. No other book captures the spirit of college hockey like this does. Great Game makes a great gift for the holidays for a college hockey fan. Score your copy of Great Game today on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Atascabooks.com, or at your local bookstore. So speaking of pros, we, you and I spent some time together in the uh, Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton in, the, in, in August, looking at uh, some of the, the Bruins' uh, futures. You know, they had no shortage of, of, of college prospects out there. And, and whether we're talking guys that are drafted, and we, we mentioned Johnny Beach earlier, Mason Lorai, who I thought looked really good for them, yep, and yep. Trevor Kuntar, who's, who's taken yep. some steps forward, I think is going to be a key guy at Boston College. But then you looked at the, the undrafted camp invitational players like Ben Myers, and you mentioned Parker Ford, Mark McLaughlin, the captain of BC, and Travis Mitchell at Cornell, who, you know, is our, our captain in Omaha. And I know very well what did you think of just overall the talent they had there this time around i thought it was it was good and uh, you know people have uh, kind of sniped on twitter that well the fact that you know your best players at that camp are 
undrafted tells you something about your own drafting and okay if you want to look at it that way go mm-hmm. ahead but you know they they did a nice job getting a group of of good players together all those free agents they're not all going to sign with boston maybe none of them will right. but you know they got to look they got to look inside uh you know, they had Brad Marchand showing them how, you know, right. the bike test. The bike test, yeah. And talking you know, to them. And that, and that makes to a huge impression. It does. No question. It, no question. If that pays off in one or two players next spring, well, then they came out ahead. But, uh, you know, there were some impressive uh, kids there. Uh, I was talking to somebody uh, in the Bruins organization after that camp, and he he thought that Ben Myers reminded him of Logan Couture at the, at the same uh, oh. The no. same age and and you know point in his development, which is not a comparison I would have thought of, but you know, hey, this guy knows better than me, right? Uh, I, you know, I like that comparison. No, um, I do too. And and the thing is, Mark, I mean, you know that you've been watching this a long time. Some players, you you just look at them and they look like players. Yeah, like there were guys that were there. And you knew they were they were over their heads a little bit. Yes, they were. You know, they were college players, and, and that's <laughs> always the case at that at development. Camp. Right. You know, and even a few of the drafted guys. Yeah. Too, but then there are guys that we, they step out on the ice, and they could. You know, whether they're taking up taking a puck on a two on one, or going in on the shootout, or they're just skating laps around the rink. They look like yeah. players and that was what that was the, the very first day I saw because he wasn't there the first day so I think my first time seeing him was the Wednesday yeah I saw Ben Myers and I was like Ooh, just saw him right away just just the way he carried himself yep I think I told you my uh development camp uh cautionary tale about uh Matt Benning years ago right the Bruins drafted him. I think it was before he even played in the USHL. Correct. He had, they drafted him out of Spruce Grove uh, in 2012 at the Alberta League, and then he won the champ, the Clark Cup with Dubuque uh, the following year. So he's at Boston's camp. There, it was up, still up in Wilmington at that point, and he looked like he was overweight. He looked like he hadn't really been on the ice much. He looked bad, <laughs> and you know, I looked at that and said, "Well, that kid, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna make it." And now what was he in year three or year four of an of a you know pretty good NHL career, right? Which followed a very good career at Northeastern. So you you have to the lesson to me that I hope I learned that uh, that year was don't judge a player's future by what you see at development camp because there'll be good ones who don't work out and there'll be bad ones who do work out. Yeah. You just you just have to wait and see. Ryan Button was probably mine on the, <laughs> on the op- opposite yep. spectrum where he just looked like he was going to be so... You know, he was a guy that, that was really thought of as, as a pretty good value pick yep. when the Bruins took him. And, and um, boy, just he, he was scoring off of the rush and he was doing all sorts of... You know, he was a you know, pretty good stick. Looked like he was going to be a good two-way defenseman. Never came close. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's the thing, too, is that, you know... The, this day and age of information, you know, that the internet and, and the fans can come out and they can they can watch the players and then they can go back and they can post, you know, all the recaps and everything. Yep. Look, that's yep. great. You know, information, knowledge is power, but at the same time, sometimes I think there's that paralysis by analysis that sets in. Where, yeah. And it's it's either positive or negative where you're, you're you know, oh, this guy looks like he's just going to be so good. we got to get and then And then you get the... You know, the following, well, why aren't they signing him? Well, you know, the reality is they, 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 these teams are trying. They're yeah. trying to sign these guys. And yep. sometimes a kid will, will look at, a, at an offer and say, hey, thanks, appreciate it, but I'm going to go back to school for one more year. You know, I haven't 
done what I need to do or I'm not ready, whatever their, their right. reasoning. But, they're, you know, that's what the fans don't get to see. And so uh, these development camps are great in terms of being able to get a look at them, but you have to understand it's such a not only a limited sample size, but it's a limited perspective of what they actually are going to be asked to do as players. Well, and Boston, through the years, has done, their staff has done a great job identifying players that, you know, maybe at the time you you didn't think of them as NHL prospects. I, I think of Brandon Tanev and Garnet Hathaway, who both attended Boston right. development camps. Mike Hardman. Mike Hardman. Right. And at that point in where they were at, they probably weren't prospects, but Noel Achari was another Noel one Achari, was yeah. at camp. Uh, and those guys, here here we are years later, you know, those guys are making a lot of money playing in the NHL. Right, right. And and that's and there's a lot to be said about that. And that's just keeping your, your thumb on the pulse and being able to identify players that, you know, they, they may not be ready, they may not be prepared uh, to come in, but but you're on the right track when yeah. those guys go yeah. on. Like Josh Joris is another guy that played NHL games, went to the Bruins, you know, development camp a decade ago. But, you know, Union College, pretty good player, ends up ends up making to, making it to the NHL. He was certainly a, a good, solid yeah. AHL pro player for a lot of years, and that's, that's a credit to the scouts that are getting them in there. Uh, just... Looking at, at, at some of the, the, the players that, that the Bruins did draft uh, that, that do own their rights, who, who are some guys that really stood out to you as, as, as having not only a chance to make the team but maybe be impact, you know, higher-end higher guys based down on the road? Saw, down the road, yeah. Well, I think the Harrison kid was uh, – Yeah. I'm curious to see how he develops. Um, he looked like a kid. I think you, you – wrote something to this effect. He looked like a kid at his first development camp at yes. times. Yeah. He'll get better. He will. You know, and a lot of people that have watched him closely up there think that he has the makings of a, of a really good player. So I think right. he's he's one. Um, it, was so imp- it was so important just to jump in on, on Brett Harrison. It was so important for the Bruins yeah. to get a center. Yes. With his size, and he is a he is more of a, a he's not a playmaking table setting center. He's a shoot first, put the puck in the back of the net center, uh, which is you know you got to have those guys. Last time I checked, the the team that that scores more goals than the other guy win, and it's it's a lot easier said than done, right? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that was I would just add that on on Harrison why he's so intriguing to get him at the end of the third round, where he was projected to go anywhere from fifteen to certainly a solid second round uh projection and most for, by most and this is the op i think it might have been you that was saying you know usually that the bruins are are going the wrong way they're they're taking these guys that are projected to be <laughs> fourth fifth round picks in the in the first second round and then in harrison's case it was a it was a player that that was projected yeah, yeah. uh earlier that they got later that's that's big you need that yep. sometimes better yep. be lucky than good some of the other the late picks, uh, you know, Gasso, I thought, um, you know, he's got a long way to go. They're they're playing the long game on him. You know, he's going to play in Fargo this year and then on to Boston College. We'll, we, you know, we'll see how he pans out. If he can mm-hmm. prove his mobility a little bit, then, you know, who, who knows? Uh, and Gallagher, a seventh-round pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of them. A good pick at that point in the draft. You know, he's got to put in – put in the work in college, round out his game a little bit, be more than just a guy with a big shot who can blast it, play a, a, 
uh, the game at both ends of the ice. And college is a perfect place for that to, to happen for him. Um, so to take to get a kid like that in the seventh round, you know, that's that's a good pick. If you take him in the third round, maybe not so much. Right. But yeah. I, I, I like where they got him. Yeah. And, of course, we have to talk about Mason Lorai. Talk to the fans about Mason Lorai and what you saw. Well, he was very impressive in that camp, no question about it. Um, I didn't watch him as much this season as, as other people did, but, uh, you know, I think he's he's going to be a player. And I think he is, uh, he's going to get good coaching at Ohio State, um, and it, he'll benefit from that, whether he's there one year, two years. I can't imagine he's going to be there three years, but, you know, I, I see a guy with, uh, you know, a, a great stick, skates well, has size, isn't afraid to use it, you know, although he's not, you know, he's not Chris Pronger out there, but he, he deals out hits when uh, when it's appropriate. Um, they really did get a steal in him. It, it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I was very impressed with him uh, at development camp. He, uh, I believe, he is going to be a player. You know, a lot of people are saying that, and I'm I'm on board. Yeah. So there was an individual that was at development camp, not a player, but certainly played a, an important key role. And then we found out that he was indeed the the pick to be the Providence Bruins' new head coach. Talk about Ryan Mujanel and what he's going to bring to that organization. In Providence, he brings continuity. Um, he's been there the last few years. They've been very successful. They've, they've built uh, you know, a framework there that, that's working in terms of not only developing players but, uh, but winning. winning in a, uh, development in a winning environment has been the, the, the slogan the last... Uh, the last few years and they've done a great job at it and he's been a he's been a key part of uh of that especially with the defenseman he uh even though he was a forward when he played he he's like the defense whisperer at this point uh Kevin Dean used to have that role in, mm-hmm. in Providence but uh Mooj has taken over that and he uh he just has such a great understanding of uh defensive play and how it fits into the you know overall part of uh, fits into the game overall. He's just su- such a per- uh, perceptive, smart hockey guy with a great sense of humor, uh, which you know never hurts, right? right. Uh, and I think he uh, he genuinely cares about the players. When a kid goes up and and plays in Boston, he is so invested in that and so hoping that that the kid does well, right? Uh, you know, Jeremy Lozon is, was one of his uh, one of his guys. Uh, Jakob Zaborl, he's very close with uh, with uh, Little Z, mm-hmm. um, and I think he uh, he's been important to uh, you know to Little Z making it up there. If not for uh, and you know Jay Leach also played a big role in that. But those guys, if they had a coaching staff in Providence that just you know just yelled all the time, which you, you don't see that much anymore, but you still do sometimes. Right. You know, I'm not sure a kid like Zaboral would would even have gotten up there. I think Muj mentioned this during his uh, his media availability. Kids now want to know why. Why are we doing this? You know, how's this going to help me? Right. And rather than being, you know, there's some old school coaches who are, are resentful of that that kind of thinking. You know, who they're like. Uh, we're doing it because I said we're doing it. That's that's why. But these guys, Mooj and 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 Witter, Trent Whitfield, uh, and, and Jay, they're they're plugged into the the mindset of of these young kids. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been where these kids are. 
I think Mooj is the perfect guy to, to take over. He's going to continue to do well, and, and kids will uh, kids will continue to improve on his watch. And Trent Woodfield, too, just plays a, a huge role with the forwards. Um, here's a guy who scrapped his way up to uh, to the NHL, you know, as a role player and you know, long-time player in the American League, a good player, captain, uh, who can tell these kids, this is what you need to do. And you know, and go from there. He's a critical guy in the in the development part of the the Providence Bruins. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny. We we're kind of we're gonna we're gonna wrap, but either we we really just barely touched on the Providence Bruins. So I think maybe it, in the future, we'll when we do this again, Mark, we'll we'll maybe devote a little more time to that because we really would. There's a lot of other things we want to get into, but. You know, I think we've had a really good discussion today, and with college hockey season upon us, it was it was good to prioritize that. Uh, thank you for for the insights. I think as we close things out, we're just going to do a really quick rapid fire question round. Sorry, going to put you on the spot a little bit. Let's see how you do on the hot seat, Mark Diver. Are you ready to go? Okay, no, I'm, I'm ready. It's time for rapid fire. Number one, which team takes the bean pot? Harvard. Who will win the Hobie Baker? Somebody from the NCHC. Okay. Northeastern or Providence College? I'm going to call that a, a dead heat. Okay. Harvard or Cornell? Harvard. Who is the Boston Bruins' top prospect? Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the guy they just took, number one. Who? Fabian Lysel. Fabian Lysel. Okay. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to watching him, if he's in Providence. I assume he will be, but who yeah. knows? Most underrated player on the Providence Bruins? Cam Hughes. Which Boston prospect in Providence last year takes the biggest step forward in 2022? Uh, Jack Studnika. All right. I think we're going we're gonna to leave it there, Mark. Thanks for being a great sport, and thanks as always. It's been such a pleasure to talk uh, hockey with you and gain your insights. Uh, and that's our show. Uh, again, thank you for listening and joining us for the New England Hockey Journal Rinkwise podcast. Thanks, Kirk. I enjoyed this, and uh, I look forward to doing it again down the road. All right, fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for listening to New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter at NE Hockey Journal, on Instagram and Facebook at New England Hockey Journal, and subscribe to New England Hockey Journal online at hockeyjournal.com. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Podcast.